are the things uh, that are in and around our little town? Yeah. Aha, uh -huh, you did it too. Sunday school started up again, and we had a Sunday school picnic, and that was a guess, 
We also, last year in December, we had our um, Sunday school presentations of uh, uh, you know, memory verse and attendance and all that. Thank you. Uh, you can see the, um, some people came up to demonstrate a song. Who knows what that song is? Roll away, yeah, in, in, the, in the vernacular. And this is Lloyd having the, the Bible, giving the Bible lesson. Who knows what, what the lesson is on? Listen to Mark. I've seen in the Old Testament literally means listen to Mark. So, so he was on to that. There's uh, this young man, Emmanuel, did, an, uh, did another lesson. Uh, we help out when we can. That young man, Bright, uh, the son of one of 
contained overnight. There's a lockdown, and he was in Nakonde at the time. And these people, uh, they sell little groceries or beds or stuff like that. And if they don't sell for one day, they don't eat. Because that's the way it is. You just get a little bit of money, and, and, and you eat. So all the people came back onto the streets uh, during you know, the next day. And the police came and said, you've got to get off the streets. There's a lockdown. And they said, well, we can't do that because we won't eat. So the police took out the AK, whatever, 47s, whatever, and they just shot the people. And this fellow got shot with no legs. They were shattered. And he, so that's the, the plaster there. So when we identified what was going on through his mum, we got him a wheelchair, and we helped him get specialised treatment down in the south. So his uh, legs are mended now, but not his heart. He's still at work in the cross. So if you think of the place right. Okay, church buildings. Uh, most of you, if you're reading the, our prayer letters, you know that we constructed a church building. It came up a couple of years ago. Um, your, your support has gone into that. So that's the outside of the building. The awnings are because of the, um, the intense heat uh, there, and that just keeps the temperature down a little bit. Yep, thank you. And we've uh, built on a resource center. Thanks. Um, the, uh, my wife and Teresa and some of the people, they uh, have a learning center where they teach the children to read. We homework with them. some weddings. Uh, that is Chris and Irene. They got married last year. Uh, that's the reception. You can see the family up front. That was really a great time. Uh, these two, <coughs> during the camp, they came over from Nakonde. They got married in Nakonde. Uh, and the, uh, they got married in the church. But the council didn't have any marriage certificates. 
618, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. God would have us to pray for all saints. That's what we think that's what we do. And so we covet in all prayer. That's what the saints are doing. And that's the lot there. Uh, that was taken at our February 5th anniversary in February. And so we are so thankful. Well, if you'd open up your Bibles, please, to the book of James. At least it's not as bad as the Prezies. They used to be right up there, preached from much higher, yeah. James chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to be able to open your word today. Thank you that we, we're in a country where we can freely come and worship and sing praises to you, sing about your precious son, and Father, to be able to open your word and know that we can find out what your thoughts are. Uh, help us now as we, we think of countries where this can't happen, where people are in, in prison just for one page of the Bible. Father, help us now to, to pray for those in bonds. Father, we ask as we look to your word today that we'll not only be stirred but changed by your precious word. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Today I'd like to speak to you people sitting here um, who at some stage in your life, or even now, are feeling the Lord's calling you to the mission field. There might have been a time when you knew for sure that God had convicted you that he'd have you to go. But then, something happened. And today, you're serving in this church, and you're very active in this local church, and you're feeling quite settled on your lease. 
Well, the question that I've asked myself over the years as I've gone around to various churches and even ministering in the churches in, in Zambia is what is the mechanism that got you to this point? It seems to me that this occurs, this change, uh, when we fail the test that God puts before us. It's this test between poverty and riches. Of course, there's many reasons why there are so few Bible-believing missionaries on the field today. And believe me, there are very few. I was at a church in, in, um, in Sydney, and I looked at the board where they had all the missionaries up, and I said, well, you know, there's very few Australian missionaries here on the, on, on the foreign field, uh, but many from this country and that country. And, that. and they said, yes, well, because there aren't a lot of independent Bible-believing uh, missionaries going out, and so we support, you know, people from other countries. Sad, but that's the fact. There are, there, there are many reasons for the why, but I feel this yearning that we have uh, to be comfortable, uh, to, to get out of a trial, a trial that God has uh, put us into, to, to get out of that trial, to get out of that testing, um, is a big reason for those of you that have been called to be still sitting here today. Now, this chapter here, as we know, and it's familiar, I'm sure, to most of you, is about trials. And so when God does put a trial before us, we see there in verse 2, it says, My brethren, you and I that are safe, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That when the trial comes up, the first thing God would have us to do uh, is to count it as a joy, and I'd say even as a privilege. Uh, that God has even bothered to put that trial before us uh, to, to test us, to test our love for him. Uh, because we can count it all joy because uh, it produces patience, as we see in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. This patience is, if we see in verse 4, but let patience have a perfect, complete work. Why? That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. So when those trials come, and we count it all joy, and God teaches us patience because we, 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 we handling that, that test God's way, uh, it's all about us being perfected, completed, and understanding that when we go God's way, we will lack nothing. We'll, we, we'll want of nothing. Well, we understand when that trial comes that we must go to the right place for wisdom. Verse 5. Uh, if any of you lack wisdom, how are we going to handle this test? How are we going to handle this tribulation that God's put before us? Uh, let, let him ask of God that giveth to all men, that giveth 
to all men, liberally and upbraideth not, no insulting, no reproving, and it shall be given him. In that trial, we can count it all joy because we, if we look to God for wisdom, he's the one that's going to, to give. He's the one that's, that, that's going to help us so that we lack nothing. But here comes the problem in verse 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, no, not dividing. For he that wavereth, that just goes, think, you know, this, thinking this, thinking that, like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. When that trial comes and we, we waver as to what we're going to do, and we don't go God's way, seeking wisdom from above, um, we won't get from God. God's, God's not going to give us. Yeah, we might get, we might receive, but not what God would have us to receive. And so here it goes. In our teenage years, or thereabouts, or sometimes even later, uh, in, for me it was 35 years old when I got saved. So that was sort of, then I was a baby in, in the Lord, and then you know, a bit more of a teenager, um, I, had, I went through the same thing. So for, for you, you people uh, that, that were saved and uh, usually in the teenage years, um, we realise suddenly that uh, we are now eventually going to be leaving the house uh, and that we're poor. Well, we, we, everything that, uh, that our parents have, have instituted, have put there for us, well, that's, that's not going to be there. We, we, we're going to have to be looking after ourselves. And we, we, we suddenly realise that we have to face up to our responsibilities uh, to start, you know, um, accumulating for ourselves. And uh, then sort of the marriage thing happens. And all the demands of, of marriage, of looking after um, wives and children and and so we have to make a decision are we going to go God's way God's called me I know what God would have me to do he's convicted my heart at that missions conference he con convicted my heart at that youth camp um, they, they, I, I know what God would have me to do but I've got this thing before me I've got to be a responsible person. Marriage is coming along and all those other things. Am I going to go God's way and look to his wisdom and his calling or am I going to go the way of the world? And I think that comes up for every single one of us. But for those of you that knew what God would have you to do, to be on the foreign mission field, to be a pastor's wife, to be, to, to, to take up uh, uh, um, being a pastor. That decision comes. So God is putting that test there. And so if you didn't answer God's call, 
it seems to me, as we look at these verses here today, that you have failed in this poverty riches test. When you look at God's word, poverty and riches always come together. They always seem to come together. And we can be poor and rich at the same time. There's different levels of poverty and, and, and riches. And so what many of us do, and some of you might have done that sitting here today, that you're now sitting on your lees. Not your knees, your lees. You should be on your knees, but you're sitting on your lees. That word lees is the leftovers uh, when... Uh, when grape juice is being made, uh, the, the, the leftovers get, it gets left there for a while to sweeten up the juice. It doesn't get extracted straight away, and that's the lees. But when it gets too long, when it gets left too long, well, that then is no good for that juice. And so that's when God says sitting on your, sitting on your leaves. An example is Zephaniah chapter 1, if you want to turn there. Zephaniah chapter 1. Verse 11 to 13 says like this, Howl, ye inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down. All they that bear silver are cut off. God, God's, uh, you know, those people who are relying on their riches, God is just about to deal with them. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles. I'll, I'll rarely find out each and every one. And punish the men that are settled on their lease. They say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. We start justifying ourselves for the decisions that we've made that goes against God's, God's calling. Therefore their goods shall become a booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. We see there a physical um, deprivation of, of people's material goods but for us uh, that are saved when we don't heed to that call um, God allow, might allow a spiritual uh, deprivation. So here in James 1 uh, we've, we've, we've learnt about God's testing and how we should react to God's testing the testings that God allows us to go through. But there's the test here in verse 9 to 12. And I see this as the test between poverty and wealth, poverty and riches. I never understood why these verses, verse 9 to 12, was actually there. I thought, why is God going on to, and speaks about tribulation, then goes on to this other subject about poverty and riches, and then goes back to, to speaking about testings. Well, I believe he's shown me that this, is, that this is a test, this test of poverty or riches that God puts us through uh, to test our faith, to test 
um, if we're making, going to make a decision for him or not. So we see in verse 9 this test of poverty. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. That word, uh, those two words, low degree, speaks of humiliation, uh, speaks of, of being in poverty. And I've seen this, and I'm sure you've seen it as well here in Australia. Uh, it, it just seems to be more out there in Zambia because of the high unemployment. Uh, there's no social security and stuff. Poor people just everywhere, wherever you go. And for those poor people, I don't think that they enjoy their begging experience. I think they understand how humiliating it is uh, to... Uh, to go out there in their rags or with their disability or their withered, withered arms or legs because they, they, cannot, uh, uh, they cannot work or in their blindness and they're begging. It's, it's a humiliating experience. Uh, and, and that's what that word is about. Poverty. And most people in the world are poor. Uh, but the fact is, is that Proverbs chapter 22 verse 2 tells us that the rich and poor meet together. Uh, the Lord is the maker of them all. He's allowed poverty. We know what the Lord said in Matthew 26, verse 11. For the poor, for ye have the poor always with you. There's always going to be poor people. That's the fact of it. And I don't understand it. It always grieved me a bit. How can... God allows something like this. Um, poor people, that is actually, you know, the, the, the picture that all the left-wing people and socialists and all that, we're going to get rid of poverty. Uh, we, you know, everybody's going to have enough. Mm. Uh, when the first president came to Zambia, he said, now that I'm president, everybody's going to have one egg per day. It never happened. It never happened, and it won't happen, because... God allows poverty. He puts that test. And for you, sorry, we're not time yet, are we? And for you and I that are saved, that test for you at some stage in your life would have been poverty that you didn't have and you had to go prepare to have. Uh, there might be some of you in, in that position now. So we've got to understand that God does draw us to himself. He draws unsaved people to himself through poverty. I've seen it. I've seen people get saved. Uh, and if they hadn't been poor, uh, they, they wouldn't have wanted that salvation that, that, that our Lord Jesus had to offer. Uh, but for us, he puts poverty in our lives as a test, a test of our love for him. A test which we can pass or which we can fail. And there might have been some of you today that have failed that test of poverty. That have not managed to, to say, yes, Lord, I've got nothing, but I'm going to heed to your call. I'm going to go your way. And how can we pass that test? Well, we see there in the next verse, Oh, well, no, in that verse 9, sorry, God says, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. 
Remember verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into poverty. Rejoice. We can rejoice in what God is allowing us to go through. And we can rejoice and we can not only uh, re rejo uh, rejoice, but when you look at the Greek of that word, it speaks of boasting. We can boast about where God has got us in our poor state. Wow. I mean, I've been poor in my time, but, but I've never been like that beggar having to, to, go, to go beg. Uh, and yet, if, if that man is a believer, this verse applies to him. And if I'm going to preach God's word the way I should, I'm going to have to be telling that man who's just put his faith in Christ to count it all joy, to boast about it, to rejoice. Why? Because instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, instead of saying, I'm going to get out of this predicament you know, the way the world does, I'm going to glory in it. I'm going to glory in it because I'm exalted. I've got the privilege that God has given me in putting me through this test. That word exalted is, 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 is to be lifted up. Um, uh, I can feel dignity even in my poverty. I, I, can, feel, I can feel true honour, elevation of my mind even in my poverty. Because I'm in Christ. Because I'm rich in Christ. And I'm like Christ. We all know the verse in 2 Corinthians 8 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for my sake, he became poor. He became poor. For me. Why? That ye, through his poverty, might be rich. Now I can say to that poor beggar, now I can say to you young people who are thinking, how am I going to go about my life? You know, How am I going to make money? How am I going to prepare for my marriage? And so on. I can say to you, that through Christ's poverty, you have become rich in your salvation. Look to that. Look to the riches that we have in Christ and be content in it. So many people in Zambia, and it's tragic, think that with salvation, the money will start to roll in. And it is true that God will supply our needs. If we honour him, we've just read, he will give us what we ask for. He will supply our needs. Not our wants, he'll supply our needs. He will honour us in that, if we honour him. So there's no need to go to the world. There's no need to, yes, God, God tells us if, you know, if, we, if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. Uh, we count as an infidel if we don't look after our family. But how far do we go in all of that? How much are we relying on the Lord and knowing that, that he will honour us in our poverty? 
So God puts that test there for each one of us. And he, he wants us to come out of that test looking to his wisdom and to be content. Those famous verses, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 4 to 6. He's proud, knowing nothing, but doing, but doting that he's going on and on about questions and strifes of words, arguing over small things. Teenagers really get into that. Whereof cometh envy, strife, fightings, railings, speaking evil of others, evil surmisings, Perverse disputings, meddlesomeness of men of corrupt, rotten minds, and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Some of you might be on the crossroad at the moment, supposing that gain is godliness. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Believers, godliness with contentment is great gain. Do we believe that? Do we believe that from our hearts in our seeking for comfort, in wanting to have a comfortable life? Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, and then in brackets, but thou art rich. We are rich in Christ. And I know the blasphemy of them that which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. At that time, there was so much persecution. And, and we have felt that persecution. When you, any of you here that, that, that are making a stand for the Lord, any of you here that have said, yes, I, I'm going to witness come what may. I'm, go, I'm going to um, stand up for my Lord. I, I'm not going to accept the stuff that people are saying about him and about homosexuality and about all these other terrible things that we're hearing and seeing about. Um, every time we come back, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. People walking around half naked and, and, and just everybody walking by as though this is an everyday thing. God would have us to stand up for him and when we do, we will be persecuted. When we, we will know that we've passed the test when we stand up for our Lord, when we get the gospel out. And, and, and God tells us in, in James chapter 2 and verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? We have God's promises if we walk that walk of faith. And I know of many missionaries who made that decision to give up all for the Lord Jesus Christ. People say to us, oh, what a big sacrifice you've made going over to Zambia. It should be no different to the sacrifice that you're making here to give up all for the Lord Jesus. You can read the stories about missionaries. They overcame this thing about a decision between poverty and riches. And when they overcame that, that's when God could use them 
on the mission field to, to obey God's calling. I believe today in Australia there are youth upon youth. We go around to the churches. We have a young person, 15, 16, coming up. Oh, the Lord's worked in my heart and, and I know that he'd have me to be on the mission field. Oh, that's wonderful. That's... And then you come back a year or two later, you see them engaged, planning for their marriage, some of them with the children on the lap. You go, what's happened to your, you know, how God's convicted? Well, you know, how, you know how it is. Time and again. We've been doing it now, the rounds, for 26 years. And why should it be any different with people sitting here today? making the wrong decision for the Lord. Those missionaries, you can read the missionary stories yourself. When they gave up all, that's when God could use them on the mission field. It's a big decision, but that's God's way. That's God's way, seeking his comfort and not the comfort from the world. But there's a test for the rich as well, because uh, a lot of you have now made it. And, uh, well... You know, it's all relative. Uh, we were in Kitwe, we were working with a, a lot, uh, a very poor, the poorest of the poor people. And even there, there were, there were people richer than others, like this. Uh, we, we ordered some sand from a man. So he said, yes, yes, I'll bring the sand. So he came along, uh, and he was walking. I said, where's the sand? He said, oh, it's coming. And there were two young people, nine or ten years old, just to get a, 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 a couple, a few cents, carrying these heavy loads of sand. You see, he was rich, and these ones were poorer than him, so he, he used them and abused them. Uh, and so it's, all, it's always relative. But there would be people here uh, that now have enough in the worldly things. Uh, you, you, you've got it. And the, but the Lord has a message here for, as well, because that's a test for you in your riches. He says in verse 10, but the rich in that is made low. But the rich, in that he is made low. The poor, in that he is exalted. They can rejoice in that. But the rich can rejoice in that he is made low. The test of you people here today that are rich, the test is, are you rejoicing in that you are made low, that you're not trusting in your riches to elevate you, but realising that it's not those riches, those material blessings that should elevate you and make you the person that you are. I realised that in my life. While my dad was alive, I didn't have that much regard for him. But when he died, I realised how reliant I was on him. Because if I ever had a need... He would always put his hand in his pocket and say, David, how much do you need? In my brain, I had that. And when my dad died, I felt, this, I felt insecure. I was saved, but, but I, I realised I was right in the back of my mind. I was relying on my dad's riches to help me if I got into trouble. I had to come down before the Lord and speak to him about that. And so, in our riches... Are we, are, we, are we boasting about our equality with the brethren? Are we boasting about our equality with the brethren? Because very often, 
we do, we are, if we are rich, prejudiced against those who haven't got as much. I was witnessing to a man in Coffs Harbour many years ago. He said he knew I was a missionary in Africa. He said, don't come and tell me these things. Tell those savages over there in Africa. They need it. I don't need it. His trust in his riches separated him from God. But that can happen in us that are, that are saved. That we have to understand that, that our riches should not elevate us. We have to keep that on our mind, on our heart, continuously. That at the cross we're all at the same, we're all at the same level. We have to realise from the day we got saved, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and loses his soul? And I've kept that maxim in my life. We see there in verse 10, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. We have to realise that. We have to understand that. Now, of course, God is not saying, as we know, he's not saying that it's a sin to be, to be rich. But believe me, that richness is a test for us. Having that money, having those material possessions, God has put as a test for us. And the people in Revelation Chapter 3, when the Lord was speaking to the churches in verse 17, uh, he, he, told, he, told, he said, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, I'm okay, Lord, thanks for all you've done for me, I'm fine now, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And that's what we have to realize in our lives. That's the only thing that will make us fully reliant on the Lord. And once we get to this point in our riches, we can understand uh, that there's others around us, uh, that uh, we can see others, not just self. James chapter 2 and verse 6 tells us that we've despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? That's exactly what happens. The rich oppressing the poor. That's why the Lord, time and again, you look it up yourself, how many times the Lord speaks about the poor in the Bible and about how upset he gets with us when we, when we don't um, look after the poor, when we don't have compassion uh, for the poor. We're told, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 to 19, that, ye, that, ye, uh, that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. God would have us to be compassionate to the poor, the material poor, but much more important, the spiritually poor. Those that are not yet saved, those that have not yet got Christ living in their hearts. We're told, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, and people are always surprised, again, when I refresh them with these verses. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Yes, God would have us to labor. Working with his hands the thing which is good. Yes, God would have us to do that. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. That's what our work is all about. Yeah, our family needs, definitely. Our, our extended family needs, yes, God speaks about it. But all our work, everything that we're doing, should be to look after, to give to him that needeth. To win people to Christ. Your giving here as a church in Zambia is to win people to Christ. Yes, we do help people materially. We, we do uh, have, have, have extended a, a helping hand to, to maybe by now, you know, thousands of people and help them through their situations. And the devastation, some of you have seen it, that people get into when, when, when parents are drunkards and, and the children are just sitting there uh, with no food day after day and, and, and you can go out and use what you've given to help them. It's a wonderful thing, but it's to win them to Christ, to win them to Christ. When you're giving to missions, have you got that in your brain, on your heart, to give, to, you know, to win to win people to Christ for the Lord Jesus' sake. And, and if you count yourself as being one of those rich, what I mean is if you've got enough food every day, seven days a week, three meals a day, and you've got enough clothes, that's what God says is all that we, you know, that, that's, that, that's what we need. If you've got that, you are rich. Well, what are you doing with your riches? It's a test for you. If God has called you and you now are rich, there's a test for you as to what you can give up for him. It's not all missionaries that go on the mission field poor. We know of a missionary who went onto the mission field. He was very rich. But he used those riches to get onto the mission field and to stay on the mission field to get the gospel out. Now, we all know, we, you know it's not work salvation. It's by grace we are saved, through faith, not of works. We know that. But I'll tell you about our Muslim friends in Umpalungu. The Quran teaches that the way they can convert people to Islam is by moving to a town or city where there's no teaching about Islam and to get a job and to earn money. This is in the Quran. And then to win people to their false religion. They heeded to that call because they believe that by doing that they'll have access into heaven. But I don't know of any Christians in our area that have done that. I don't know of one couple who have said, 
yes, I'm going to give up all the comforts of home and move to this village and set up shop. Do it. Yes, it won't be easy for my children. Yes, I'll, I'll miss my relatives. Yes, I'll, I'll, it's not going to be great. But God is putting that test before you. You can pass the test and look to his wisdom, or you can fail. And just carry on in the same way every day. Yes, God is using you here in Grafton, but how many missionaries do we need in Grafton? I mean, if you had to take the population of Grafton in each person that's sitting here today, that's a heap of missionaries. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But if you're not saved, you don't know what I've been talking about. If you don't know Christ as your saviour, I would like you to have what I have in my heart. Why don't you consider Christ today? You would have heard the gospel so many times from this pulpit. I know, because there's faithful preachers that preach here. And yet you still say no. Why don't you accept your state, that you're a sinner? Don't leave it to tomorrow. Put your faith in Christ today. And know the peace and the love and the joy that only a believer can have. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for how you work in our lives. Uh, Father, thank you for your wonderful word. I pray now that it would dig deep into hearts, that people uh, would look within and uh, pass the test that you're putting before them. In Christ's name, amen.